Hey everyone, thank you for coming to End of Capital. I hope that you are pushing through this world of uh, chaos and pandemonium. I hope that you are, you know, just being more aware of what is happening in the world. A lot is happening. Um, I feel like when I read the news, when I, you know, pay attention to my surroundings, uh, so much is happening uh, that we need to be looking at, that we need to be uh, focusing on um, the issues of the world. But, you know, unfortunately, with a system like capitalism, it seems as though more people are looking for work. They are trying to uh, pay the bills, trying to keep a roof over their heads and have a car and have money for, you know, vacation, food, what have you. You know the routine. Um, so many people are, you know, their focus is not on the problem, you know. Uh, it's not on the, on the problems because we have so many. The issues which are continuing to be um, progressed into new generations, into a potentially new uh, century because they're not taken care of. I mean, how are we going to solve these problems if we don't acknowledge these problems? How are we going to solve the racial divide in America if we don't identify how the racial divide came to be? How are we going to solve the income disparity if we don't discuss how those are, um, you know, becoming our, the theme of life, you know, uh, it's just, it's amazing how um, so much of the media is focusing on um, Elon Musk and his uh, buying of Twitter and the amount of course is like astronomical, $45 billion, like for a uh, internet platform. And, you know, we don't have money for, uh, you know, great salaries or high salaries or em employment of people. Just think of how many people could be uh, employed or could have food on the table because of that money. And it just goes to, you know, so much of the venture capitalist money goes to um, their ideology, the control that they desire. And uh, it does not go to the average person, the working class person's life to better our lives. It just feeds into the venture capitalists and what they believe and what they want to accomplish for themselves, right? Because capitalism is a system of individualism. It is not a system of collectivism. Uh, it, it only wants collectivism when it needs resources. Uh, but in the midst of gathering the resources, uh, somebody is going to walk away with a whole lot of money, and that's the venture capitalist. That's what they do. They they know the routine. They know the uh, the script. It's it's a big script that everybody's walking around with, and they're all using the content of that script that was created so many generations back, from the Industrial Revolution to uh, to the times of slavery. It's been the same script, and we we have to change that script. We have to put in a new set of uh, wording and a new set of, of, of paragraphs to this script because it, it needs change. We cannot continue to believe that um, uh, somebody could be worth 45 billion plus dollars to the point where he's able to buy a uh, an internet platform. And here we are, the working class people fighting Starbucks for a fair wage or, um, you know, other companies who are just an opportunity to make a livable income. This cannot be our scenario for a long time. This cannot be the uh, legacy that we give to our children. So we, we have to be more aware, more cognizant of what is happening 
so that we can be the change, okay? Uh, today, I kind of want to talk about race and wealth because um, with Elon Musk, you know, becoming the new owner of Twitter, uh, you know, a lot of people are, are saying, well, he's African-American. Uh, I mean, isn't that something like Elon Musk is a white male, um, and Elon Musk's uh, presence in South Africa and birth in South Africa and life in South Africa is not a good one. Uh, we can never believe that uh, Elon Musk is the uh, only representation of South Africa, uh, just like uh, the actress uh, Theron, Shalise Theron. Um, those, are, those are white uh, colonists, okay? Uh, they, are, they were in South Africa with a different agenda than the black South African person. And we have to learn to separate that um, to understand dynamics of a country, a country like South Africa that has a history of apartheid and all the um, killings and all the destruction that happened because of white settlers. Uh, in, that, in, the, in that history, I should say, um, a lot happened, of course, uh, death, destruction, uh, the advantage, advantages that were afforded to white settlers because they came with a, an agenda to conquer South Africa. And they did that for a very long time uh, until, you know, the release of Nelson Mandela and then the black South Africans took over. But even after the takeover, South Africa is still, you know, South Africa is still in poverty. They have a high HIV AIDS rate. Um, they have like rape, high rape um, rates also. I mean, the country needs to revisit itself, its, uh, its policies, its, um, its divide, right? Uh, and that is the scenario for many uh, countries where white settlers came into, like the United States, for example. I was going back and forth with these guys on Facebook because they posted a picture of uh, the writers of the Constitution, and they said, uh, th we revolted for a reason. And I said, well, yes, I understand revolution. I understand why people revolt, but uh, the writers of the Constitution were also slave owners, and they also uh, participated in the genocides of Native Americans. So do we, do we just evade that history, that part of history to just uh, you know, uh, celebrate the, the the white males who came here and took over this country to the point where we're still, uh, you know, carrying on the legacy, even in 2022. No, we, we have to look at all of history. We have to look at how all of those actions in the past uh, subsequently uh, gave us the, the present life that we have, the present world that we have. History is not some separated uh, uh, moments in life that went away and that, you know, that, that became history. No, history has been continuing on. It has not left us. It has not, um, you know, it has never left. We have just been writing different phases of it. So we cannot exclude history. We cannot believe that there's some separation. But uh, I want to talk about this uh, Pew Research. I don't know if any of you look at their website. They're very informative. They give great stats and uh, they do very great surveys also. And uh, in regards to race and wealth, remember the civilization that we inherited did not start on equal footing. Um, nobody was equal at any point in that civilization or in the story of the civilization. It was always a, um, 
an imbalance. There was always somebody trying to dominate another group and so forth. And that's why in this country, the United States, we have a, a white culture, European culture that is dominating us. Uh, even though the United States is, is a multifaceted country, uh, we still have that white dominance. And you can just look at the presidents. <laughs> uh, you'll see where that is very visible. Um, you don't need a whole lot of uh, stats on that. It's very visible. But, you know, uh, in, because of that, those actions of the past, uh, Native Americans and African Americans have suffered socioeconomically, right? And they continue to. Uh, Native Americans are continuously fighting for their land, continuously uh, striving for civil rights and just clean water. And African Americans are, you know, just looking for reparations. They're looking for uh, some level of of respect from the the white settlers who are here, who are descendants of the white settlers. Okay, so there's that racial divide, and in that racial divide, you have the economic part. Um, so according to Pew Research in February 2022. They did a survey in 2021. These are the findings. Two in 10 Black adults with lower incomes uh, is at 18%, I'm sorry, doesn't have enough um, to make ends meet. Uh, four in 10, which is at 43%, meet their basic needs. 36% um, have a rainy day fund for at least three months. Uh, three months is pretty good. Um, that number is pretty... It's pretty low, uh, 36%, um, because the reality is that wealth takes time to build. And it, if you're of African descent or you're Native American, then you don't have that generational wealth that your white counterparts have, uh, because whites in this country had the advantage, right? They created the advantages for themselves, and African Americans and Native Americans have been fighting them uh, since the the uh, invasion of the white males from Europe. So, of course, uh, the statistics on whites are going to be completely different. I didn't take any uh, because, you know, they represent like 70, 72 to 76% of the population. So you do the math, you know that they're going to be, um, they're going to be in a well, an, a better footing than the African-American counterparts and the uh, Native American counterparts. So this is the divide in this country in, in America. It's just um, a socioeconomic division that has not uh, dissipated or has not gotten any better. I mean, we're still fighting. We're still fighting the racial divisions. We're still uh, aiming for equilibrium in this country. And we cannot stop um, fighting. We cannot stop thinking that um, everything is sweet and dandy uh, for people when the, the stats are showing something different or that our realities are showing different. Um, for Latinos, and this was a February 2022 uh, research on Pew Research um, website, uh, they, their dynamic is different. Their concerns are different. Though it's socioeconomic, right? Uh, they have the fear, of course, of uh, migration problems and immigration problems. Um, and four in 10 worry that they, they or someone could be deported. Now, you know, the U.S. has um, definitely buckled down a lot on its immigration policies. And it's to the point where, you know, under the Obama administration, for example, so many people were deported, even though Obama was the face of change in this country. 
uh, under Donald Trump, I mean, it, things just got worse because, you know, that was probably his main uh, <laughs> slogan was to deport people. So you think of uh, race and wealth, what is happening to those people as their lives are shifting by a dominant culture, by a dominant group. Um, well, chaos is happening. They have to reshuffle their lives. They have to go back to a life that, um, you know, some of them have left for, you know, half of their lives and they have to restart. Um, you know, how can you build wealth when you are stuck in a, a civil rights uh, mayhem? How can you build wealth when your life is being shifted by someone else who could potentially help you, right? Uh, but going back to this research, it says that um, immigration narrowly declined from 267,000 in 2019 to 186,000 in 2020. And, um, you know, with, with Trump, again, it, it really did, um, it took a, a, an, uh, it took an, a, a greater uh, emphasis. So he took it to a level of wanting to do this as though it was the last, it was the only thing on his agenda is to build that wall or was to build that wall between Mexico and the United States and uh, deport those who, those people who had been here. Uh, either they came illegally, um, but you know they had paid taxes all their lives. They had jobs, and uh, they were trying to you know revamp their lives, and they did over the years, of course. But now someone else was coming into the White House and saying, "We don't care about everything that you've done. The fact is that you're here illegally, and we're going to deport you." That is how um, wealth. That is how wealth is disrupted. Uh, those are the, the the factors which are you know affecting people's lives to the point where um, you know they 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 have to spend money on things that are not foreseen, and you know it takes them back to to a, a world that they you know they hope they were hoping would help them a, a world that. Uh, they fought so hard and worked so hard to achieve only to have somebody else say, um, yeah, you're, you're going back to the country of your childhood. Um, it's tough. It's not, it's not easy. It's not um, an easy reality for our Latino uh, counterparts. And, um, you know, we really have to look at this from a humanitarian standpoint. Like the, the, those people, our Latino counterparts, um, they need us to, vo to voice for them, to help them through this transition, if and when it happens, because at the end of the day, we're all, we're all human beings. We're all striving for betterment. Uh, we, they may have not done the, the order uh, of immigration in the way that um, you know, the law wants them to, the white counterparts would want them to. But sometimes in life, you have to um, take detours, right? You have to uh, do what you need to do to get to where you want to be. That's what the gurus tell you. That's what life is all about. So, you know, we have to get into the idea of not punishing people, but uplifting them, especially when they've done all the work uh, to get to a point where they can achieve greatness. And as I'm thinking of the La our fellow Latino people, I'm also thinking about the wind rush wind rush generation people in the United in the United Kingdom. Those two people also uh, are facing the same plight as our Latino counterparts. They are from Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago. And they went to the UK between like 1948 to 1971. And uh, you know, they they you know, went up there with the hopes of uh, working because the UK had a lab labor shortage. This is probably the time of the war or after war. 
And of course, they needed help. The UK needed help. So they brought in the, the workers from Jamaica and Trinidad. Now, these people worked, have been working. They had kids, they had lives. And, you know, now uh, they, are, they are facing deportation. This has been happening for a few years now where Theresa May changed the policy and um, their lives, the, those descendants from Jamaica and um, Trinidad uh, were facing deportation back to their countries. They've been away from those countries for, for decades. And, you know, it is not easy to just go back to a place that you left at a very young age. I mean, I'm from the Caribbean. I came here at a very young age. And, you know, I always think, what if I'm deported? Like, how do I go back? How do I uh, prepare my mind for that? It, it is not an easy scenario to think of uh, because you want to think that you have you have the freedom to choose where you want to live for one. And especially if you've done the work uh, in, in uh, another country, you want to continue that work. You don't want to go back. You don't want somebody telling you to go back and you have to start all over again. It is not, it is not humane. It is not doing something uh, respectful to another person. And we have to raise our voices for our, our counterparts, you know, uh, give them some sense of hope and let them know that they are not in this fight alone, that, you know, uh, deportation is not easy. Like I said, it is, it is brutal. It is just the worst form of uh of uh, in the worst case scenario and one that just, you know, makes the human being feel as though, you know, they have no choice in where they live. They have no, um, you know, like somebody else is making that choice as to where you should live or where you belong. And just think of that, think of how somebody is interpreting that, how they're feeling when someone is telling them that you don't belong there, even though your parents have lived there for so many years, they've worked, they've paid taxes, now you don't belong here. So, you know, it, it's just unfortunate because when you think of uh, Europeans and when they go to the other countries like Africa and the Caribbean, they are welcomed, uh, Asia, what have you. They are welcomed. They're not being deported. They're not, you know, facing brutality. They're not getting shot by the police. Uh, you know, brown and black people have always welcomed Europeans. And I mean, that's probably how slavery happened anyways, because uh, black and brown people were so hospitable. They were so friendly. Uh, but, you know, when it's time for the black and brown person to achieve prosperity in a country where there's a white dominance, then the problems arise. Then there's the book of law that is forced upon us as black and brown people, of course, um, because our white counterparts do not want to to share territories and our white counterparts only want to create uh, boundaries for themselves. So that is what's happening in terms of race and war. That is the scenario. That is how um, the different cultures uh, are working alongside each other. And that is the world that we've inherited uh, to the point where it's causing friction. It still is. You still have borders in Africa where the tribes are, are warring with each other because of how Europeans separated those borders. So you, you have those dynamics still in place. Don't think that they went away just because we're in 2022. We are still in that world and we still need to recognize that. We still need to uh, think as though um, those issues of the past are still with us. Don't ever think that they're not. Don't ever think that colonialism went away or that racism went away or capitalism and uh, slavery, you know, things of the past. We are not in that world yet. We need to get to uh, that point where we understand what world we're working with so that we can make it better. And it, it falls on our shoulders to make it better. Anyway, I've talked enough. I hope that you'll visit the website dismantlecapitalismglobally.com. Check me out on YouTube 
and capitalism today. Continue to listen in and I hope to have you again. Thank you.